Welcome to the Whiskey, Jazz, and Leadership Podcast. Subscribe now so you don't miss a drop of straight talk you can't get anywhere else. We discuss the whiskeys to drink, music to listen to, and what it really takes to be an effective leader. I'm your host, Galen Bingham, the leadership strategist. Tonight's guest, best-selling author, top 30 global speaker, and president of Moreland Training, Dr. Will Moreland. Hey, what you drinking? You guys can't see what I'm seeing. Dr. Will, you are on fire, man. It's like you're you're starting to work up a sweat just from this podcast, from sharing all this information. And I got chills on my I got chills on my arm, man. I got chills on my arm. First of all, you just went down the Mount Rushmore of motivational speakers and self-help speakers. And then you went through the Library of Congress of all the books that you're supposed to read if in fact you're serious about living life on purpose and being successful in your life on purpose. And I am just blown away by how you were able to identify that there was something more that you wanted. Even before you, you might not have even known what that more was. You just knew that there was a more out there that I wanted. And pieces of that more may be in these books that people are telling me that I need to read. This is going to sound like my last question, but how did you find the courage to do some things? They don't fit my stereotype of what kids from Compton would be doing. Uh, It doesn't fit my stereotype image of kids in Compton reading these books at a, at a, at a voracious mode as what I've just heard from you, but yet you found the courage to do something different uh, than your surroundings. And that seems to have made all the difference. Where did you find the courage to be different and pursue this thing? You know, that is a a great question. And uh, for everybody listening to us, when you make the choice to change your life and transform your life, it is going to take courage. You're not going to have confidence. It's going to take courage. You know, I tell people confidence is a byproduct or confidence is a result of courage. And so where do you get that courage? For me, I literally had to borrow courage. I literally borrowed courage because I didn't have my own results. So I didn't I didn't know if it really was going to work. I didn't have that proof per se. So I had to borrow from Reginald F. Lewis. I had to borrow from Les Brown. I had to borrow from Elisa Nichols. I had to borrow from a Tony Robbins and say, you know what? If it's working for them, if it's working for them and they called it a principle. And this is back in the day, man. We didn't have Google and we didn't have YouTube and all this type of stuff. They're saying words that I had never heard of. So literally I'm taking down notes, going back to the library and looking these words up. Right. They're telling me that my life could be different. No one close to me was living an extraordinary life. No one that I was connected to was living this amazing life that they were saying. And I I don't want to lie to your listeners and, 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 and say that I got some epiphany or something like that. But I was just so naive back then. I was 20 years old, 19 years old. I understand it now more today, but I was just kind of exhausted, exhausted at barely making it exhausted at um, just being in a cycle, just being in a cycle of poverty. 
I had looked at my grandmother. I looked at my mom. I looked at my siblings. And I was just kind of exhausted. And, you know, I didn't have the framework of, you know, being a millionaire back then or anything like that. And you're right. I didn't know everything I wanted, but this is where I started. I started with what I didn't want. And one of the major things for me was I didn't want life to be a mathematical problem. And what I mean by that is I didn't want to have to get gas and wonder if I got gas, was I going to be able to get bread? And if I got bread, was I going to be able to keep the lights on? And if I kept the lights on, was I going to be able to keep my cell phone on? And if I kept my cell phone on, was I going to have some pocket change? Like I didn't want life to be a mathematical problem. That's that's all I knew. I grew up going to the store. I remember my mom saying, hey, when you get to $25, let me know. When you ring up everything and if, if it gets to $25, let me know. And that made Gaila, some stuff was going back. If we had anything over, you know, and I don't know why my mom didn't do math in her head back then and just say, okay, the bread is $2, this is buy. But every time we get to the counter and she say, let me know when it gets to $25. And then we would start looking for stuff to put back. And um, I said, man, I don't want life to be like that. I don't want life to be like that for me. And so when I saw these people and they would tell these stories, you know, coming from farm towns, coming from inner cities. And, and it didn't matter where they came from. See, he had a different story than Les. And Les had a different story than Jim Rome. And Jim Rome had a different story than Tony Robbins. And to be honest with you, I started seeing that problems weren't prejudice. Problems come to everybody's house, whether you're black, you're white, you're, you're tall, you're skinny, you're short. I realized that at first I just thought that problems were a black thing. But then I started listening to everybody else. I said, oh, okay, problems are a part of the world. So this is what happened. I stopped feeling sorry for myself. I said, okay, if everybody's going to have problems, then that means anybody that's successful just has to push through the problems. Wow. And when I realized that, well, these problems aren't going to go away. They're not going to go away because you have more money. They're not going to go away because you're black. They're not going to go away because you're white. Problems are going to be problems. And problems come to everybody. So when I realized that I was really at a disadvantage all my life, I thought I was at a disadvantage. I wasn't at a disadvantage because it's not your start. It's how you finish. Oh, my gosh. Oh, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. I got to slow you down, man. You're dropping so many bombs, man. Oh, my gosh. Oh, let me take another drink here. We need. First of all, problems aren't prejudice. They come to everybody that it really doesn't care. Your problems don't care. <laughs> they come to everybody. <laughs> oh. So how you deal with that is up to you. And I love there's a metaphor in there, too, about this visual of your mom saying, let me know when you get to twenty five dollars. And I'm, I'm wondering if there is a metaphor there that relates to how some people live their life, maybe subconsciously. They say, hey, look, this is what I believe I am entitled to. Let me know when I get to that point so I can start pulling things back. And maybe they don't say it consciously like like your mom did, but maybe subconsciously they say this is all the good I'm supposed to enjoy. Let me know when I start getting close so I can start putting some things back so I don't go over what I believe I'm entitled to. So, gee, this is what I tell a lot of my clients. Every one of us have an alarm. Every one of us have a silent alarm. 
and that alarm goes off. And usually you see it when you go shopping, right? So what do most people do when they go shopping? They pick up the item. Like if they pick up some shoes, what's the first thing most people do? They turn the shoe over to see the price, to see wow. they have permission to even look at the shoe. Now the shoe caught their eye, but they have to first turn it over to see if they have permission to keep looking at it. And then they start talking to themselves. Oh, that's crazy. Who's going to, whatever your alarm is, if your alarm is $100 and that shoe is $150, oh, that's crazy. These people think I'm going to pay $150 for some shoes. If your alarm is $150 and the shoe is $200, your alarm's going to go off. We see it all the time. Now, mm. Okay, now let, uh, let, let's let's step, because we, we, can, we can take that line and go right back into, uh, now you and I met uh, over the book, Thinking Grow Rich. But uh, I have also drawn lines between thinking or rich and uh, emotional intelligence and how we can draw a line around what we're telling the universe that we're entitled to. And the universe really doesn't care whether it's right or wrong. It's just going to respond to what we say. So if we say, that's crazy, $150. That's crazy to spend that kind of money. The universe is going to continue to create scenarios where it would be crazy for you to spend $150 on shoes because your bank account only shows $200. You got me speechless. You got me speechless. Let me let me take this back to, because you've already stepped into helping me explain the metaphor of whiskey, jazz, and leadership. Because I love all three literally. Uh, you know, I just, I like all three literally. But for me, the the metaphor of whiskey is doing what you enjoy because you enjoy it with like-minded people who enjoy it with you, irregardless of what those other folks might say or think. That's the metaphor. The metaphor of jazz is getting from where you are to where you need to be, even in situations where you don't have sheet music in front of you. And your life is an example of jazz, right? Uh, you've got some conditions, but you still have to get to a place where you're going to feel happy about your life and you got to figure it out. And then leadership for me, the metaphor is marketing is great. Uh, strategy is cool and important, but nobody eats unless somebody kills something. Someone needs to step up and say, we're going to make this thing different today. We're going to take a different direction today. And until someone says, this is when it starts and this is how it's going to be different, nothing ever changes. And so for me, that's the, the, that's the metaphor of whiskey, jazz, and leadership. I have seen all three throughout your story, but you tell me, how does that metaphor fit your approach to life or your approach to the work that you do? So I love whiskey, jazz, and leadership, the podcast, because I can almost imagine when you were planning this out, someone probably said, wait a minute, why can't we just focus on whiskey? Why can't we just focus on jazz? Why can't we just, you're going to confuse people, right? And there's a saying, you've probably heard this before. You want your cake and you want to eat it too. And I always correct people and say, well, why would I buy a cake that I couldn't eat? And we set up these limitations in our life. But we set up these limitations because people think that we're monolithic, that we can only talk about whiskey, that we can only talk about jazz, or we can only talk about leadership. But I live in a world, a universe 
that whatever I order, the universe is willing to bring to me. And so I live from not a or universe, but I live from an and universe, whiskey, jazz, and leadership. And so I really do believe that I can have all of it. And so when I started understanding that I'm not a monolithic person, that, man, I love leadership. And there was a time in my life because I was this leader, I thought I couldn't do certain things. I'll, I'll tell you the story. My daughter was, she's 20 now, but she was three years old and I'm at her birthday party and we're at this, this thing where they had the jumping balls and, you know, all this apparatus stuff. And I remember standing in the corner as my daughter is jumping in the balls and she's waving for me to come over. Daddy, come get in the balls with me. And my mind went to, I can't get in the balls. I'm, I'm Dr. Will. What would people think if Dr. Will is jumping in the balls? And then for whatever reason, the universe, God, somebody slapped me and said, no, you're not Dr. Will. You're her father. You're her father. And when I realized that, I begin to shed all of these constraints. We live in a world like you can look at a group of people and you can say, oh, yeah, they're lawyers. Yep, they're bankers. And why can you do that? Because everybody just copies everybody, right? You can say, oh, yep, those are some teachers over there. I can tell they're teachers. Oh, yep, those are some professors. We all laugh about it, right? Oh, they have the pocket square. They have the vest on. They have the cardigan jacket on. Those are professors. Those are college professors. Because we just emulate and copy. And we lose our sense of individuality. And so then we can't have a thing like whiskey. It has to just be whiskey. You can't have whiskey and jazz and leadership until you free yourself and say, no, I, I can. I actually can talk about whiskey. I actually can talk about jazz. I actually can talk about leadership. And to be honest, they go quite well together. And so when I started looking at my life and all the things that I like to do, I said, I'm not going to live in this prison. We get 80 years, if we're fortunate, you know, to live on this planet. And unfortunately, most of us, I tell people this all the time, you got to stop and ask yourself, whose idea are you living? Wow. Hold up. Wait, wait, wait. Back up. Back up. We need to put some lights around that. Hit, the, hit that one more time. Hit that one more time. Whose idea are you living? Oh, that's tweetable. That's tweetable. Oh, that's going to stay with me. You know, going all the way back to growing up in Compton, that was someone's idea that Compton was the worst city in America. That was someone's idea. And we lived up to that idea. If that's what you say we are, we're going to prove it to you that we're the worst city in America. And so usually from zero to 18, we're heavily influenced by our parents, by our community, by whatever religion we follow. But at some point in your life, you got to start asking yourself, man, whose ideas are these? If not, you live your whole life. I talk to so many people and I say, why are you this profession? Well, my mom wanted me to be this. Why are you this profession? My dad wanted me to do this. Why? Well, I was just talking to a friend yesterday and she was complaining about prices being high where she lives. And I said, why are you still living there? And she never really considered that she had the option to go to 49 different other states or 195 other countries. But she said, well, my grandmother lives here. My mom lives here. My sisters lives here. I said, that's their idea. 
See, they may not be struggling like you, but you're struggling to live inside of their idea. And she said, you know what? I never thought about that. And she, she started looking at all these. She says, you know what? I'm a single mom of two. My sister is married. My brother is married. They're two income. My mom, she has a pension from my father. So they're not struggling. They're living in this state and it's heaven to them, but it was held to her. Wow. Man, man, there there is so much, man, the time is just getting away from us. There's so much that I want you to get into. Number one, I'm, I'm a big fan of understanding, I call it your invisible board of directors. Uh, and you, you're going to recognize this straight out of Napoleon Hill's Invisible Council. But who, who are some people that you may have met them, they may have been actual mentors, they may have been actual advisors, or... They may be someone who you've just read about uh, or you've just seen them on video, but you anticipate how might they approach a situation. Who would you think of as being on your invisible board of directors? Yeah, so I have I actually do. This is a practice that I do, and I actually have three of them. So the first one is my grandmother, my grandmother, Polly A. Gray, and she's on my board of directors because I just loved her servitude. I loved how she served people. I love her genuine love for people. A second one was an actual mentor that um, I had. Uh, unfortunately, he ended up passing. His name was Dr. Miles Monroe. And, uh, but Miles still talks to me on a daily basis. His wisdom is still with me. I have his books right behind me. And then the third is I have an actual uh, mentor now, Steve Hardison, um, that actually coaches me every month. And so those are my three, but literally, I, I sit with them every Monday morning. I have a board of directors meeting and I always ask myself, what would Polly do? What would Miles do? What would Steve do? And uh, I glean from that wisdom from them and uh, I make all of my decisions. You know, I pray and um, God is definitely on my board of directors, but I, I pray and uh, I just try to channel uh, what they would do and how they would approach these different situations. Man, you are just, you are living well beyond your capacity. And let me, let me explain what I mean by that. Uh, and we talked about this earlier. There is a, there is a scripture that says that we're supposed to uh, live by faith and not by sight. And it is so tempting to want to go as far as you can see. And by seeing, I mean, as far as your intellect might allow you to see, uh, as far as your experiences might allow you to see, uh, as far as your neighborhood uh, might extend. But you have really tapped into the ability to live beyond your education level, beyond your experiences, beyond your neighborhood. And I think that all of this richness that you are enjoying is because of your courage to step beyond what others around you have done. General Patton said that courage is fear holding on a moment longer. And I keep coming back to this word for you uh, because it, it just, it has to have taken courage. How would you encourage other people to step out on faith and live beyond their sight? So the first thing you got to do is, number one, you got to forgive yourself. You got to get forgive yourself. I had a lot of things that I had to forgive. I had a what they would call a checkered past. 
But then I read this scripture in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, and it says, for I know the thoughts that I have toward you to give you an expected end. And God shared with me, he says, Will, before you made any mistakes, before you got in any trouble, I already had a plan for you. All I need for you to do is get in alignment with my assignment for your life. All you got to do, you're not disqualified. Everything that you did, I took all of that into account. I knew you were going to do it. And this is what we're going to do. We're going to make all those things work together for your good. And so what he's done with my past is taken everything. I use all of my past in every area of my life. And I begin to understand that none of it was for me. It happened to me, but it wasn't for me. It was for the people that I was going to be serving in life. And there's a scripture about Jesus. It says, by his stripes, we are healed. The stripes did nothing for him. It did something for us. And so I began to look at every stripe that I had. It wasn't for me. It was for the people that I was going to serve. And so now when I talk to a young man from the inner city and he doesn't think he's going to be able to make it, I can now use my stripes and I can tell him, borrow from me. Let me be a picture for you. Let me be a bridge for you. Let me be an example for you that if I can do it, you can do it. And so you got to forgive yourself and to know that your past is not a prison, but your past can be your platform for your prosperity. And when I realized that, I was no hose barred there. And so you you have to, and it is hard. Every single day I work on myself because I'm challenged as well. I have those thoughts that, Will, you're from Compton. What are you doing talking to the prime minister? You're not supposed to be in this meeting. You're not supposed to be at the White House. You're not supposed to be talking in front of Congress. And and I had this fear of, man, what if they find you out? This is why I'm so transparent with my story, because I was afraid that somebody's going to find out that I've been in jail. Somebody's going to find out that I was a gangbanger. So let me put this information out there already. And so they won't be able to blackmail me. They won't be able to come back and use it against me. But then I realized that once again, it wasn't my prison. It was just my platform. And so forgive yourself and then borrow somebody's belief in you. There's somebody that believes in you right now, a teacher, a pastor, a friend, a spouse, a parent, a colleague. There's somebody that believes in you right now. Borrow that belief until you build your own belief in your own capabilities and in in your own skill set and in your own knowledge base because it's there. It's a other person on the inside of you screaming to get out right now. The better version of you is screaming to get out right now, but it takes courage to open up that door and let them out. Wow. Oh my gosh. Okay. So this, this is, this is far too much to share on the free version of this podcast. I, I got to bring you as a matter of fact, I, I got to see if I can edit some of the, some of these gems out. And I got to bring you into the VIP room, man, because you are just you are just oh, my gosh, the value added. This is why you listen to whiskey, jazz and leadership to hear people who have done it, to hear people who are down the path that can give you the encouragement to continue on your path. 
And man, if you've got a few more minutes, I'd love to I'd love to bring you into the VIP room so you can talk to the folks who really, really uh, are looking for answers to either lead their organization or to do their tomorrow a little bit better than than their today. If you've got a few more minutes. Hey, man, before we toast out of here, though, man, uh, how can people get a hold of you if they want to get some of this inspiration for themselves or bring you into their organization uh, for you to talk uh, more about your story and how uh, they can uh, access some of this some of this success? I keep it real simple. My website is www.drwillspeaks.com. That's D-R-W-I-L-L-S-P-E-A-K s.com dr will speaks and on all social media platforms it's at dr will speaks so really simple dr will speaks.com at dr will speaks at all social media if you want to shoot me an email it's dr will speaks at gmail.com so real simple if you can just remember dr will speaks you can find me all over uh the internet man well this has been amazing raise raise that wine if you got any left and uh, let's toast out, man. And uh, I'll see you on this on the other side of the velvet rope. Cheers. Cheers, my friend. Hey, it's not too late. Hit that subscribe button so you're sure to catch the next episode. If you're really enjoying the vibe, leave us a review or become a VIP for guests and show exclusives. Cheers. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.